The last Sunday of 2019, we launched our 2020 vision. Well, I preached about it. I talked about vision problems in our church, the problem of presbyopia, old eyes, and how old eyes can't see the things right in front of you, thus the need for corrective lenses, bifocals, so that you can see up close. We also said that old eyes don't necessarily belong to old people. Young people can also have vision problems in the church, failing to see what is right in front of them that needs to be done, or the glaring, long-standing problem close at hand that has long since become invisible to them because spiritually they have old eyes. The second problem was myopia, that is, nearsightedness. Nearsighted is not at all what it seems to mean. It means that you can't see at a distance. And we identified that problem in our church. Our distance vision is not good. So we need to be asking the Lord to correct our distance vision so that we can see the vision of the future that God has for us. But I need to remind you of something. Correction to spiritual vision can only come from God. We need Him to work on us because we have a couple of vision problems in our church. Some people can't see what is right in front of them. Others don't have the ability to look long range. 2020 vision, as related to the eye, is clarity, acuity, and the ability to focus. Spiritually, that's the ability to see the things that God wants for your life and for your church. Now, you are part of a church that once had a vision. This building, your sanctuary, is a testimony to that. It was, it was built for a dual purpose. It was built to honor God and to reach people. In the tax assessor's office, in the glass-covered bulletin board, is a page from the George County Times. I believe it's from 1948. There is an article there about First Baptist Church. There were 262 people in Sunday school then. You didn't have nearly the buildings that you do now. You didn't own nearly the property that you own now. The church was much smaller and yet at the same time much larger at a time when there were far fewer people living in Loosedale. Can you explain that to me? The sanctuary was new. The vision was clear. Honor God and reach people. Later, you added Sunday school space and fellowship space. But the purpose, the vision, got lost somewhere along the way. What was the vision? Honor God and reach people. The sanctuary was a testimony to God's glory. If you build it, they will come. If you do it well, they will come again. And you did. And in those days, and uh, many of the years that followed, people continued to come. But somewhere along the way, vision can get cloudy. We get spiritual cataracts. Scales can grow over our eyes, and we lose sight of the purpose. We can't see the things right in front of our face that need to be done, and we can't see at a distance. We lose the ability to look down the road. What am I asking you to do? First of all, simply to look back into your past, back to a time in the life of this church when you had a vision and a passion for that vision, I want us to build upon the past, but I also want us to celebrate the present for God is at work now. He is at work here in ways we can see and in ways we can't see. But when we recognize God's activity, we need to celebrate it and we need to join God in what he's doing and follow his leadership into the future. We need to embrace the future. And that future needs to be God's vision and God's purpose for our church. So I've been praying that we will catch a 2020 vision for our church, that we will have clarity, acuity, 
and focus related to what God wants to accomplish in and through the life of this church. Perhaps this 2020 vision will be a spiritual marker that others refer to in the future as the moment First Baptist Loosedale embraced a vision that God planted in our hearts, a vision that will bear fruit long after we're gone. Will the preparations we make and the steps we take and the sacrifices we make leave a foundation for those who follow in our footsteps? When the church built this sanctuary, it exploded in growth. People came, the gospel was preached, the Bible was taught, they honored God, and they reached people. Simple mission, straightforward, no frills, and God blessed it. He still blesses those who will be true to that simple purpose, honor God, reach people. You had a very simple slogan when I came here. It attracted me. It says, loving the people that Jesus loves. I didn't change it. I kept it. I thought it was wonderful. I still do. But I have a question. Who do you think those people are? And are you genuinely committed to that purpose? Like I said, I know church. I, I know how uncomfortable it is to come to church and find somebody you don't know sitting in your seat. And, that what's and, that, and that's what happens when you lose your vision and your passion. The people that you begin to reach become interlopers, intruders, a threat, if nothing more, a threat to your personal comfort level in your church. But if you want to know what is truly uncomfortable, you ought to look around and see the expression of the people who come in who are new as they walk in with a family of four or five and try to find a seat. If you love the people that Jesus loves, that means that you will try to reach them and those like them. After all, isn't that our ultimate purpose? A time came in the life of the disciples when they needed to see what Jesus saw. He'd been visiting with the woman at the well. She had gone back to the city and told the men of the city about her encounter with Jesus. And as they were coming out of the city in droves to meet him, Jesus said, Look at the fields, for they are white unto harvest. He wanted them to sense an urgency. So on another occasion, he asked them to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest. And Jesus told them, We must work the works of God while it is day because night is coming when no man can work. The clock is ticking. In 1948, your church had a sense of urgency about reaching people. I know this to be so. Dr. Fred Mosley, who was pastor then, came to the church where I was pastor uh, in the 1980s, the early 1980s. He was retired. He led a doctrine study at our church. And on Wednesday night, at the end of that doctrine study, he extended an invitation, and we had seven young people saved. The next Sunday night, some of them got up to give their testimony, and 12 more people were saved. 19 people in the space of one week were saved with just a little touch of Fred Mosley's passion. Part of that related to God's activity, yes, but part of it related to the passion of the man who had been pastor here back in 1948. That's why I know so much about what this church used to be. But over time, the purpose of the church shifts from honoring God and reaching people to a self-centered focus where the church becomes all about taking care of my needs and serving my interests and providing opportunities for my children. If you remember, Jesus said that his father's house was intended to be a house of 
prayer, a place to pray, a place where people could come and seek God. But then the focus shifts and the church becomes a place to play instead of a place to pray. That's when things go downhill. So if I could shift your attention back to the purpose of this church when this sanctuary was built, it was built to honor God and reach people. It had a balcony where people used to sit. You needed the space. But over the years, you needed space for other things, right? So you took out some pews here and some pews there. By the way, that's an awful stairway going up to that balcony, that spiral stairway. But in 1948, it served the purpose, honor God and reach people, and that's what they did here then. So how was it that this church, all those years ago, with less space, reached more people? Well, I suggest to you they had 20-20 vision. They had clarity, acuity, and the ability to focus. And I remind you that spiritually, that's the ability to see the things that God wants you to see for your life and for your church. As we've talked about our 2020 vision, we've talked about some areas where we are weak. One of those areas was the area of passion. We have a passion deficit in our church. We aren't as passionate as we should be in our love for God. Because of that, our focus shifted and our church has ceased to be a house of prayer. Even our praying reflected no passion for God and no sense of urgency or need. But today, we're really talking about that third area of weakness in our church, and that area is purpose. In the study, Experiencing God, Henry Blackaby outlines what he calls the seven realities of experiencing God. Let's consider those as related to the church, our church here. First, God is at work in and around our church. He always has been, and that continues to this very day. Whether we are aware of it or not, it doesn't change the fact that God is at work. Second, part of God's activity is his personal pursuit of a love relationship with each one of us personally and with our church. Third, God is inviting our church and each one of us as individuals to become involved with him in his work. The way we come to know that is that God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. And that is where the rubber meets the road, because wherever God is working and speaking, God's invitation for you to work with him will always lead you to a crisis of belief that requires you to do something, to step out in faith. Most of us are quite comfortable coming to church just to sit and listen. But when God wants me to do something or my church to do something that might involve me, that's when things begin to get uncomfortable. And that might be where some of you are right now. Ultimately, to join God in what he's doing requires me and my church to make major adjustments. Remember, we're in pursuit of God's purpose, not some fanciful idea of our own. And the final reality in Blackaby's list is that we experience God when we obey him and he accomplishes his work through us. I remind you, this is God's work. It is not my work. It is not your work. It is his. He is working his plan, bringing us to an awareness of what his assignment is for our church as well as enabling us to accomplish it. I remember the old television show, Mission Impossible, from back in the 70s. A guy would walk to some secret location, 
unlock a secret compartment, pull out a tape that held a secretly recorded message that identified his mission and that of the team, and, and he would listen to the message, and it always said the same thing. Jim, your mission, should you choose to accept it. And after the announcement of his mission, the person would say, this tape will self-destruct in five seconds. You and I have a recorded message identifying our mission. It comes from the Word of God. And the Bible says about God's Word, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. In other words, the message is not going away, and neither is the mission that God has given us. It's not going to self-destruct. But the crux of the matter is this. Will we choose to accept it? Forbes, who measures the success of companies and businesses and is all about money, says that companies that are founded with a clear sense of a higher purpose or cause exist to advance that cause. Listen to that again. Companies that are founded with a clear sense of a higher purpose or cause exist to advance that cause. Wouldn't you say that was true of our church? We exist to advance a single cause. But Forbes also says that with time and success, those companies inevitably lose their sense of purpose. With the loss of purpose, the company begins to decline. To recover, that company must recover the founding principle, purpose, cause, or belief that drove the original passion, inspired the risk, and helped overcome all the obstacles. If experts in business know that, shouldn't we? And should we wonder why things don't go well when we're trying to do things we were never intended to do? So what is it we're supposed to be doing, and who decides? Well, this morning I'm addressing one of those areas that I sense is a weakness in the life of our church, and, and that area is purpose. I want us to rediscover God's purpose for our church. And so to do that, I want us to answer three questions. Number one, what is our mission? Number two, what is the method by which we accomplish our mission? And third, why does it matter? So how would we go about identifying our mission? Aren't we to carry on the mission of the Lord Jesus who said, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost? That's the ongoing mission of the church. Honor God and reach people. It used to be so clear here, but losing one's passion can cause a person or a church to lose its focus. The focus becomes self-centered, play instead of pray, and without prayer, we lose sight of our purpose. What is our mission? I think you would agree that we would first have to look at the Bible. Did Jesus say anything about what our mission should be? Oh, he did. He gave us marching orders, and those have never changed. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is our purpose. That is our mission. Everything we do needs to be about that mission. If it does not help achieve that mission, then we don't need to be doing it. So what is the method by which we accomplish our mission? Well, honestly, that's a little more complex, and if we're not careful, it can get so complex that the complexity causes us to lose sight of our purpose. 
So what we need to do is to simplify our method so that all of our energies are directed toward achieving our mission rather than managing our complexity. So let me take you back again to 1948. Less building, but more people when there were less people in Loosedale. Why? Clear mission. Honor God. Reach people. They built it. People came. They did it well. And people came back. But over time, things got bigger and more complicated. The facilities, as well as the programs, until it required everyone's energy to maintain. Maintaining the church and its programs became the focus and the purpose got lost in the clutter. And one day, we wake up and we're no longer honoring God or reaching people. So how do we clean up the clutter so that we can clarify our mission and have a better method to get the job done? I remind you that companies and businesses ask those questions all the time. The ones that do get better. The ones that don't die. Let me suggest that cleaning up the clutter begins by asking two simple questions about every program in our church. Let's say you start with your Sunday school class. Does your Sunday school class honor God? Does your Sunday school class reach people? Shouldn't it be doing both of those things? Down the line, those questions should be asked about every program and every organization. Does this honor God and does it reach people? Usually you don't have to dig very deep to find out the truth about both of those questions. Honoring God might be a conscience question, but you can look at the record book and know if you're reaching people. What adjustments do we need to make so that we begin to honor God in our programs? What adjustments do we need to make so that we reach people? But there's one more question that we need to ask. Why does it matter? Not too many weeks ago, I preached a series of sermons on Jonah on Sunday night. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh and warn them of the coming judgment of God. But Jonah didn't go. He didn't embrace God's purpose. By going, he would have honored God. By preaching, he would have reached people. But it didn't matter to him that all of those people were going to die without God. If you read the little book of Jonah, you will find pagan souls, lost souls, raising one single question. Is the God that Jonah serves concerned about us so that we will not perish? God was concerned, but Jonah wasn't. It didn't matter to Jonah, but it mattered to God. God was passionate that Nineveh receive a warning about coming judgment, but Jonah just didn't care. When we cease to care about that which is the passion of God's heart, no matter how many songs we sing or how many sermons we preach or how much money we put in the offering plate, we simply won't be honoring God. God is always at work around you, and right now, God is inviting you, just like he invited Jonah, to join him in his work. God is speaking, and he's been speaking through the Bible, prayer, circumstances in the church to reveal his will to us. And because God is speaking, some of you are experiencing a crisis in your own heart. You've got to decide if you're going to answer God's call and embrace God's purpose. To do so, each of us will have to make some major adjustments in how we live our lives. But once we obey, we'll see God work mightily. Honor God and reach people. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because the clock is ticking. Judgment 
is going to fall on some person, on some community, or some nation, and it matters to God that they hear his message so that they can repent and be saved. While we're evaluating the programs of our church by those simple statements, it might also be a good thing to evaluate your own life by the same. Does your life honor God? Is your life reaching people? Should it be? What needs to change for you to fulfill God's purpose in your life? I'm praying, and I hope you will as well, that we will catch a 2020 vision for our church, that we will have clarity, acuity, and focus related to what God wants to accomplish in and through the life of this church. Perhaps this 2020 vision will be a spiritual marker that others refer to in the future as the very moment First Baptist Loosedale embraced a vision that God planted in our hearts, a vision that will bear fruit long after we're gone. Will the preparations we make and the steps we take and the sacrifices we make leave a foundation for those who follow in our footsteps?